0: SD besties on the podium, baby! Nicole, we survived! We survived. We Mercedes, essentially B-spec car, upgrade to the Monaco GP, and we made it out with a Lewis P4.
1: And I feel like s- survived is such a great phrase of coming out of it. I just never want it to happen again.
0: Chicane free in 2023. Yes, I've been waiting to say that all season.
1: Nicole and Brown are lined up on the grid, it's lights out, and away we go on this week's grid walk.
0: Nicole, we have to start the podcast today with what I think is the most crucial, gigantic piece of news that's happened in the last week, and it's that we got the full... Story trailer for
1: the Barbie movie. Oh, and it looks so good. It looked, I was already so excited from the teaser trailer. Right. And then getting like the entire full story, I was like, give, give it to me now. I want, and I was not a Barbie person growing up. I was like the opposite. I was a Power Rangers, like action figures. I didn't, I was not Barbies. But this movie looks unbelievable.
0: I had I had a decent amount of Barbies because it felt like growing up like extended family that didn't know me really well would be like, ah, you know, eight-year-old girl, here's a Barbie. Uh, but I would play with them Christmas morning and then I would never again. Uh, but I, 100%, I saw this movie and I went, oh, this is made for me. Like, this movie is just, like, put it in my veins. The feet. Like, the fact that Margot Robbie has been able to perfect the Barbie foot. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. And I found myself watching... When I watched the teaser trailer and she took her shoes off and it was and then, the Barbie feet. And then in this trailer, they went flat. And I gasped. I audibly gasped. I was like, oh no, something is wrong <laughs> in Barbie land. <laughs>
0: like, <laughs> I was instantly invested as soon as that happened. And the dance scene where she said, do you ever think about dying? I just... The comedy that I am excited for now is, but I think my favorite part of the trailer was Ryan Gosling going to the doctor's office. I knew
1: exactly. I was literally about to bring up this exact scene.
0: (laughs) Because it's just, I'm a male. Of course, I can be a doctor. And it just felt like the most comedical, pointed commentary on our society. This is about to be a life-changing, like era defining movie,
1: yeah, no, it is it's definitely, and that's already making me think it's like, okay, well, like Ken's coming from this world. We're like, Barbie can literally be anything. It's like, so obviously being in the real world is like immediately brainwashing him and being like, I'm a man. I can do this. You can't be a doctor. You're a woman. And I'm like, oh my God. Wow. They really took like, here's the real world and we're going to throw it in your face so fast. But they're doing it in such a smart, like funny poke fun at like the real, like, ha ha, we'll laugh at the pain and how real this is.
0: I cannot wait. For all of us to be Barbies and Ken's in Halloween this year. It's going to be incredible. Yeah,
1: it's going to be all over the place. I think I need to learn how to rollerblade because those outfits look unbelievable.
0: Mm -hmm. I just think that this is going to be the greatest collection of Easter eggs in a movie. Like, I haven't been this excited to watch YouTube breakdowns of movie Easter eggs since Avengers Endgame.
1: Yeah, yeah. 100% that you could tell us is just like filled with so many references. And just, I love the fact that like the trailer's like, if you love Barbie, this movie's for you. If you hate Barbie, this movie's for you. It's like, okay, so who's left? No one. Like they're literally telling you no matter what your opinion is on Barbie, you will love this movie. And that is such great marketing. It's (laughs) so perfect.
0: If you asked me just three months ago, pre teaser trailer, if I had any interest in this movie, I'd be like, no, not at all. Now, I just want to talk about this to everyone and be like, "You have you seen the trailer? Are you going to go see the movie? Because I've just... The Barbie movie has become my entire personality.
1: <laughs> I never would have. Uh, that definitely was not on my 2023 bingo card. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to Gridwalk. Obviously, I, Nicole, sound a little different this week. This is not my brand new voice. I am under the weather. So I do apologize that this I sound like Spongebob with the suds, and uh, that's kind of going to be what you have to listen to this week. If you are watching on YouTube, you may have some moments where you see me mutedly blowing my nose, so that's a gift to you. If you're only an audio listener, you'll have no idea that that's happening. Just know that throughout this, I shall be blowing my nose, and this is not sponsored by Kleenex. So... Now that we've acknowledged that big elephant in the room and up my nose, Brianna (laughs) again, tell us what this episode is
0: actually about this week. Well, I would love it to be a recap of the Spongebob with the Suds episode, because that was an incredible reference. Um, But in reality, we're not here to talk about that or the Barbie movie for an hour. We're here to talk about F1. So this week, we're going to recap all of the things about the Monaco GP, talk about the fact that all Monaco needed was a helicopter. It's fixed. We've fixed the Monaco GP. There was a helicopter. Could Alonso have actually won this race if they didn't have to pit him twice in two laps? We're also going to talk about ESPN's new broadcast strategy that they used for the Monaco GP last week. Nicole has a big Monaco-sized gossip grid. Because what is Monaco if not pop culture and F1 smashing together? And of course, it's a back-to-back. So we're gonna end the show going through a Spain preview and doing our predictions and give you an update on how our predictions fared from the Monaco GP. So that's it. We have a packed show today because it's a back-to-back race week. Let's get right into it. It's stuffed just
1: like my nose.
0: we survived we survived mercedes brought their essentially b-spec car upgrade to the monaco gp and we made it out with a lewis p4 Uh, we did it how are you feeling so i understand
1: it was like a lot of external circumstances that caused these upgrades to like premiere in monaco and I feel like survived is such a great phrase of coming out of it. I just never want it to happen again. I don't want to go into Monica with that kind of panic and stress. I mean, uh-huh. P4, P5, not bad. I also like probably going into this weekend would not have expected that at all. You did, and we'll get into like predictions and things later of... <laughs> Unbelievable optimism. It was complete
0: hope. I was just like, I want this to happen. I didn't know anything.
1: Hope is not supposed to work in this sport. It doesn't make it. V-spec upgrades in Monaco is an equation for like questionable (laughs) disaster, which isn't, we didn't, I would not say disaster at all. Is there questionable? Still, I think is fair. Um, So is this giving us a real insight in, Like is Mercedes? Can we stay hopeful? Is there data that shows that like this can be good for Mercedes continuing into the season?
0: Um, How how many times do we want to hit the hope alarm in the next couple minutes? (laughs) So I'll I'll go I'll lean into it. Um, I'll start with the reality, which is there is no hardcore data that says that this car is any better than. Their prior car.
1: But it's not worse.
0: But it's not worse. That's what I think. I think what we can take away from this is it doesn't seem like they've slid back in any way. Um, they might not have jumped anyone. I still think some of the difference between Aston, Ferrari and Mercedes until further notice is going to be circuit specific or can someone mess up? blah, 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 blah. blah. But they didn't slide back. I will – their FP2 data, which, like, doesn't have all the, like, mumbled race circumstances, like, put Mercedes on par with Aston. Like, I think if Lewis wasn't stuck behind Esteban Ocon, he would have kept up with Alonso. Yeah. Uh,
1: every yeah. now and then, some hope. Yeah, you
0: just – yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but the team seemed really happy, and Lewis seemed really happy, and I will take that. Like, for leaving this weekend for them to not be frustrated with their car? The practicalness of it is that this was the Monaco GP and they had to set up a car they knew nothing about. And Mercedes has spent the last, all of 2022 in the beginning of this race season, unable to set up their car because it had to work in this tiny window. So the fact that they were able to come to this circuit and get it right, and by right, I mean right enough with this new platform, I was, you know what? I feel great. The reality is, I'm going into Spain really hopeful. I knew you were going to hit it. Because you said hopeful,
1: so it just means you need the hopeful arm.
0: Yeah. Uh, But hopeful in, not in a, oh yeah, Lewis is going to win this week. Or some hopefulness like that. In a, like, we might not have to spend the rest of the season just upset and frustrated. Like, they might actually be able to work off of this car and, like, do something that just doesn't feel random. Like, it's just... So, the answer is, is there any real data? No. But I will take the team's positivity and i think we should live in that world until uh, fp2 in spain and then we'll actually
1: <laughs> that's when the hope alarm really goes off and we wake up and and panic i mean that's what started to happen when lewis like went to the wall i was like oh no oh no oh no like could not cannot cannot handle um but yeah i i will put myself i do feel more hopeful uh- than I did last week, but you know we'll see. I,
0: I think we we only have a couple days till Spain. I say we just live in the delirium of this is great. Like this is this is for bringing a car with this much of an upgrade to the Monaco GP and no prior running. This is the best we could have hoped for. You're like so I right. think like we live in this joy.
1: P four P five. It's really just. How? What? But yeah, yeah, the the quotes from the team and it, it's kind of like a vibe check. And I think we've felt a lot of frustration from the drivers, from different members at Mercedes. And it didn't necessarily feel that kind of energy when it like very much could have been and was setting up to be a race that could have been unbelievably frustrating. And it wasn't. We-
0: Yeah, we could have left this weekend and it would have. and they could have been like, you know what? This was a frustrating weekend, but we knew it was going to be frustrating because it was Monaco and it was a new car. We didn't understand yet. Like I can hear the quotes already like this was frustrating, but we really are going to find out in Spain. Instead, we got this was a good weekend, a good points haul. We like Lewis was really comfortable in the car this week. Let's see for Spain. The answer is still let's see for Spain, but like the vibes so much better.
1: Optimistic vibes going into Spain that I can, Uh that I can definitely go with.
0: Lewis and Mercedes weren't the only, like, positive, oh my gosh, I can't believe this happened this weekend, because Nicole Esty-Besti was on the podium. Esty-Besti
1: had, like, the most unreal weekend, like, in the longest time, and it made my heart so unbelievably happy. It was a roller coaster. I mean... From like that one moment in Quali when it was like, oh, Khan's on pole. And then obviously it just like completely went away very, very quickly. But for those few seconds, I was like, oh my God, there is magic. Magic is afoot. Magic is happening. And he just had so many magical, fantastic moments. I was so inspired. I have Esti Bestie's best moments of the weekend. I made a podium and it was hard to narrow it down, but I had to just try to compile my favorite Esti Bestie moments just from Monaco because... He deserved it.
0: Yes, he did.
1: Right. All right. So I have first a lovely honorary mention. Mm -hmm. And it just shows how great this podium is. That my honorary mention is his celebratory radio after finding out he had P3.
0: So there's no way that's your honorable honorary
1: mention because of the incredible
0: moments of this weekend. I can think of something about that radio that's better than the radio, but I'm worried that I'm going to spoil your podium, so I'll hold it. I'll hold on to it. What's your P3?
1: Okay, so my P3 is after receiving the trophy, he starts a road trip to Spain. He has the trophy currently buckled up in his car. It was so wholesome and
0: just so Esty Vesty that I was, oh my God. I think he did this same road trip last year and he posted almost the same dump. It's like like getting McDonald's and filling in gas. It just it felt very much like F1 drivers are just like you. They also sometimes get McDonald's and fill in gas. But the difference in this year's Instagram dump is that there is a podium buckled in the car, and I also loved it. <laughs>
1: And I think I just always imagine, like, the teams are going to, like, hold on to the trophies or, like, it's like the Oscars or something where, like, you don't get, like, that exact trophy. But now I'm just imagining, like, Esty Bestie, like, walking to his car and just just sparkling in the
0: trophy. And it's just so wholesome and cute. I do think a lot of times the teams will take them to, like, ship them back. Uh, but I love that he. I I just now ha- have a whole interaction in my head where he's like, no, 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 I want it. I want it with me. Where he's <laughs> going to take
1: like flat Stanley photos like throughout yes! the road trip, like with the P three trophy. It was just so cute, and you I know? just, I I love Esty Besty so much. Then the P two.
0: He met Spider Man. <laughs> it's incredible that this is only P two. <laughs> Tom Holland was
1: at the race this weekend, and i will get into all of that in Gossip Grid. But if you did not know, Estee Bestie is a huge Spider-Man fan. I am also a huge Spider-Man fan. So when I saw Tom Holland there, all I was doing was thinking, when is Esteban, when is Estee Bestie getting to meet Tom Holland? Because I need a picture of Estee Bestie and a Spider-Man like more than I need oxygen. Because I needed that to happen for him just to solidify this perfect weekend.
0: I also think his helmet is inspired by Spider Man, like his red and black helmet. And he did a Spider Man one at the USGP last year. Like, no, big comic book guy, which is part of the reason I think we like no, as much as we of do. Of course.
1: Yes, definitely. 100%. He gets huge, huge points. When I saw that Spider Man helmet at I was like, I need him to be my bestie. And finally, my favorite SD bestie moment of the week P1. His post-race interview of him screaming, SD Besties on the podium, baby! Oh, wait, no! (laughs) Yes.
0: Wrong sound, my bad.
1: So many sounds, too many emotions. It's the best. I also just love that SD Besties become so very real that he is now referring to himself as Esty Bestie. Last week was the big his investigation of figuring out that she loves Formula One is who gave him that title and now it it is so in the zeitgeist that it is Estee Bestie's on the podium, baby. And it was just so pure joy, excitement. I love it. I love that he loves the nickname. Just best it moments. What a send me into for him. a
0: fit of laughter. I was not expecting him to go up to that mic and say that. Like it was left field pure joy yeah yeah
1: I, mm-hmm. I, I the the I rewatched the clip so many times <laughs> because the the pure joy and happiness yes. yeah, I was gonna like bottle it and and like keep it for myself but he had a great weekend I hope it continues for the rest of the season but between spider-man and being on the podium SC best you should go buy a lottery ticket on his way to Spain <laughs>
0: you know the meme that's the podium meme and it's like the guy celebrating and super excited and then it pans out and it's p3 that was Esteban this week <laughs> and it was I'll put on the YouTube video I'll put the the meme up on the screen if people don't know what I'm talking about but I'm shocked there was something you left off your podium that I'm stunned
1: oh no now I'm worried that I'm gonna have to totally redo my podium. <laughs>
0: When he, there is a photo of him in the car, I think right after the radio, right after he passed the checkered flag. And this man makes the craziest face, cross-eyed, like basically sticks his tongue out, but in the helmet. It's like, it's basically the K-Mag face, but Estee Bestie version. And so when you were talking about the radio, I was like, that's not even the best part of the radio. The best part of the radio was his face. And it's just joy Joy.
1: (laughs) we'll add that it's i'll just add the celebratory of p3 besides the Estee bestie on the podium baby quote is an entire honorary mention because that (laughs) quote just needs to stand on its own at the top of the podium it
0: definitely does
1: and i probably just love the trophy buckled in more than an average person but it's just so wholesome and i'm just imagining him like no one else can touch it but yeah he had a Lots of wild moments, lots of lots of great stuff. And every picture of him from this weekend was really great and really unhinged and very happy, very smiley SD bestie. So we loved this. We already enjoyed Monaco. We were part of the population that looked forward to it every year. We enjoyed the Monaco Grand Prix. That was our take. We don't delve deep into that last week. So I felt like this weekend was much better than previous years. Do you feel the same way?
0: Yes, yes, yes. A thousand times yes. I would like to scream it from the rooftops that this Monaco GP was, I could write a 2000 word essay on how much better everything about this year's Monaco GP was compared even to just last year's. Like, oh, the TV production, Nicole. Like it's, to recap, if you missed last week's grid walk, this was the first time in the history of the Monaco GP that F1 did the TV production for the Monaco GP instead of it being the local TV station. How much of your increased enjoyment of the Monaco GP this year do you chalk up to that TV production? I mean, like
1: basically all of it, because I kind of I knew I was going to enjoy Monaco anyway. And even right. in, like the past Monaco races, the one thing that you and I constantly discussed is why is this being filmed with a potato and like, why <laughs> is everything being overexposed and how come it cuts from like, Oh, here's the action, but let's go look at what this car is doing by itself over here and having absolutely nothing to do with the major action happening on track. So <laughs> a thousand percent, I think it is what made me really enjoy it so much more this year just it felt like I was watching a race from this century. When in previous years it felt like I was like popping in a VHS tape. Gee, I'm hoping, and I feel you feel the same way.
0: Yes, yes. No, that helicopter shot. This
1: what the, this is what the circuit looks like. Hey, you know, here you go. Here's everything that you didn't see for a hundred years
0: before. And I told you this privately already, but I I will embarrass myself publicly, that I was embarrassed to say before this week that watching the Monaco GP always confuses me. Like, I was never able to figure out what we were looking at and where on the track we were looking. And like, I just felt disoriented the whole time. And it was frustrating to me. And this is coming from someone who last week we did 20 minutes of our show about how much we like Monaco. But I was still frustrated. And i that first free practice one, I sent you a message. I was like, I actually understand this circuit for the first time ever. <laughs> yeah.
1: My my favorite voice note was, I now understand when they're talking about
0: the pool, there's the pool. <laughs> yeah, like, I can logically look at the track map and understood where the pool was. But that doesn't mean that, like, when they... Switch to the former shot that was there that I understood that that's what I was looking at. I was always disoriented. Which led me to create a podium for this week of my top favorite new TV shots from the race.
1: Incredible.
0: All right. So I didn't, I could list like 20 honorable mentions here. Because the reality was every shot was an improvement and made everything better. But I kept it to three. So my P3 is the new cameras they used for the coming out of the tunnel. So you were not immediately blinded for the first, like, the following three seconds.
1: We love not having overexposed shots of cars, especially since cameras this day and age can focus and just be like, wow, look at the car coming out of the tunnel.
0: Like, all the onboard shots, it would be in the tunnel, out of the tunnel. It was Even half a second there you were blinded and then I I felt like I was looking at a whole part of the track I'd never seen before because normally it was just white. (laughs) My screen was white. All right. P2 is the new pit lane aerial shot we got everyone always talked about how narrow that pit lane was and there always seemed to be a lot of action of like cars almost hitting each other coming in and out of their pit boxes but we weren't really getting good shots of it until there were a couple times they went to the aerial shot of the pit lane and I felt like I I felt congested just looking at it all for the first time I really felt it
1: you know maybe that the narrowness definitely made me nervous and i That was one of those instances where I was like, ah, I mean, they didn't want people to see this because this is like a, um, (laughs) why is this so narrow and seems incredibly unsafe to be constructed this way? But now we know.
0: All right. And my P1 is what you alluded to earlier, the turns 13 through 16 shot, which is the swimming pool complex. It really is a part of the track that I felt like I was seeing for the first time this year it was stunning
1: i I completely felt the same way and as soon as you said the same thing i was like okay so this isn't just a me thing you also feel like you've never seen this before and it just felt like this like i know it exists you could see it where it would fit in the circuit but like hello and i maybe just because like at every other race in miami it's so like in your face of like look at all of these people in pools and whatever but like it just felt like this this myth of (laughs) of the race because you never (laughs) saw it
0: yeah, you never, so it was seeing the swimming pool itself, but then also just the turns. Like, I felt like I now understand that part of the track. Like, and really what overall, all their new shots did really well was, and it was thank, thank good, all Monaco needed was a helicopter because you could actually, like, they had all, before all these stationary shots, mostly shot on old potato cameras. So you could see cars coming through. They felt fast, but you didn't like when you get an aerial aerial shot in every race you feel how close like okay Alonzo is this far away from Max like you get a much better feel of the distance between cars and who's racing who like that's just on every single turn every single time they went to an aerial shot I was like oh I get this I understand this like you're telling the story in this much better way
1: yeah it almost felt like And I know it wasn't because this is just how this race goes. It felt like the drivers were closer together, but I'm sure it was just like the new perspective that we had of viewers. And for more things that like we have talked about off pod is this new production and viewpoint just like really showed how skilled these drivers have to be to navigate these close corners. Because I don't think I would be able to drive in Monaco at like five miles per hour, let alone the speeds that these drivers have to drive. Those corners look crazy.
0: Yeah, in our normal sedans. Yeah, yeah. just, like, I feel like, ah. Uh... Yeah, I, good races, and I feel like we talk about this every week, but the difference between a good race and a bad race for me is how well they can tell a story. The whether or not an overtake happens, or if the story doesn't need, person chasing someone down doesn't need to be successful. We just need to see and understand that the chase is happening in order to get invested in it. And all of the new production that they were doing just allowed me to be at the edge of my seat constantly, particularly when things were changing and all the like the rain was coming. They did an incredible job of showing the stakes of how close drivers were to making mistakes and on walls and how close they were together and it just felt like We got multiple angles of everything that happened. (laughs) Like, I saw Carlos Sainz drive into the back (laughs) of another car from three different ways. It was great. (laughs) Uh But it's just all the reason we care so much about this TV production is because the broadcasters can only communicate so many stories if they can't show us those stories. So if you're sitting there and you're like, wow, I really liked the Monaco GP this year. Like, did they have more overtakes? Not really. It was just that they were able to overall communicate this fantastic story that left at least me on the edge of my seat the entire time. Well, we can't talk about the Monaco GP without actually talking about on-track performance. But we can't talk about on-track performance without talking about flying cars.
1: <laughs> I would to say, does that count as on-track performance if we're talking about the cars being lifted off of the track?
0: Well, uh, the roundabout way I got there was because the part of the car, which is the floor that we got to see for these cars, is responsible for fifty to sixty percent of on track performance, but I really just wanted to talk about cars flying for the meme ability of it and the performance impact of it
1: yes, of course, but we i mean the panic and like sudden like oh my god, everyone look we saw red- we saw Red Bull's floor we saw. Red Bull's floor. And I love their act at all, like, chill and like, yeah, hey, we're not worried. But I know immediately <laughs> everyone was taking notes. I was like, someone tell me what all of this means. But we really feel now that... Do we feel that they've there's been some kind of secret sauce unlocked and now, like, all... I mean, we know that all nine teams don't suddenly have all of the secrets, but do we feel like they were probably paying extra close attention to when the car was flying in the air?
0: Were they paying attention? Yes. Can they replicate it? Uh, we'll see. Uh, I think from a outside fan perspective, like we saw Ferrari's floor and we were like, ah, a floor. Because we hadn't seen one since Monaco GP last year or when Joe's car just went flying and then... Then we saw the Mercedes floor. And I was like, oh, cool. Another floor. I can compare floors. And then they lift that red Bull up. And I felt like I was looking at an alien. <laughs> it was so much more intricate and detailed. And I, wow. It, I, I was at a loss for words. I don't even think you got more of a voice note from me other than we saw the floor. Because that's it? just- All I was feeling in the moment.
1: Um, Very much. (laughs) Red Bull's floor. Red Bull's floor
0: has been revealed. (laughs) We see the floor. So, but that was in moment. I do have a little bit of an answer to the actual question you asked, which is, how is this going to affect other teams? Is there some secret sauce revealed? So the reality is, yes, that Red Bull floor you can visually, not knowing anything about tech, you could look at their floor and compare it to the Ferrari and Mercedes and just understand why they're a second ahead of everyone. You're like, oh, they just understand this better than everyone else. And I think that's the key secret sauce is that they just understand it better than everyone else. So and I, I go, oh,
1: damn, they know what they're doing. doing. It's not that we didn't know that already, but now we can see it like fully.
0: Now the hope is that all the teams are going to be able to look at those photos and gleam something from it to help them close the gap in performance. Um, The interesting thing about all the aerodynamic stuff to me is that it's not singular. Like everyone loves to focus in on side pods and we know that they don't actually make a huge difference. They're just the most the thing we can visually see week to week and understand. But apparently so people much smarter than me, the real magic about the Red Bull is not just the floor, it's how the s- floor interacts with the suspension. And it's gonna all come down to what it always comes down to, which is what engineers at all these other teams are gonna be able to look at those photos and apply those things to the car concepts. Because unfortunately we are living in a cost cap world, which was meant to bring the field closer together. Um, and I do think it's brought the field closer together. But it hasn't made the championship more competitive, because in a prior world, Mercedes would have looked at that floor. Mercedes would have brought a real B-Spec this week. They brought a modified, like, yeah, we jerry-rigged darker chassis to work for this. Like, we're not even going to see the real performance of the new Mercedes B-Spec concept until the beginning of 2024. So, because of the cost cap, people can't bring sweeping changes to their car. So even if all other nine teams have engineers who are able to look at those images of the Red Bull floor, the earliest, the absolute earliest we would see that bring anyone to a competitive level with Red Bull, maybe the beginning of next season, because that would be next year's cost cap. So that's the unfortunate part of all of this.
1: I'm, imag- I'm just imagining a world of no cost cap where we see that floor and Toto's just like, that one, get me that, 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 do that, that is that. Go now, have it ready by next week. And then it just like occur, which is like just a magical fever dream world that- Ferrari,
0: Aston, and Mercedes would all debut brand new cars by Silverstone. Like, great, cool. And then it's competitive. So like, yes, I think a cost cap is healthier for the sport, but as a fan of a front running team, Remove it, or break it, Toto. I'm looking at you. Break the cost it's cap. Okay. Apparently, Do they don't punish you, so break that cost cap.
1: You can handle it. <laughs> you can even pay for the fees yourself. You're so fine.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I so I hate to be like doom and gloom about it. So that's like the, really the positive is I'm glad that checkout crashed because this, even though it's not gonna. Bring someone closer to Red Bull in the immediacy. Seeing it is always good. Like mm-hmm. it's great that all the teams now seeing it and that they can send their engineers off to go look at it and figure it out. And I, copying other teams means you'll always be one step behind them. But I think it's better that it's out in the open, and we've all seen the magic now. So it's just what can people do with the magic now? Will be interesting.
1: Very interesting. I'm excited to see, and then whatever, then Red Bull will do next. That Then we'll be like, what are they doing? But yeah, I'll take, let's keep hoping for some, I mean, more flying cars in the way where no one's heard. But yeah, this is, give us more insight to cars that we don't get to see literally ever.
0: Helicopters and flying cars. (laughs) Perfect equation for a great Monaco GP.
1: Who knew that's what F1 needed?
0: Okay, we have a couple of actual on-track topics (laughs) because you were right. Flying cars are really not on track. Um, but have you realized yet that Alonso actually could have won that race?
1: I have uh, very mixed feelings about that, of like a oh my god, Aston if... can do a thing, but also I was like I don't think I want you to beat Max, I want other people to beat Max, <laughs> but also Aston. So that that's my initial reaction of, of that.
0: If uh in summary, the the data shows essentially that it was a high probability if Aston Martin put him on inters, like they should have, there were already people on track on inters, and everyone could see that they were working, uh he likely would have come out ahead of Max. And as we know with the Monaco GP, that means that he would just need to not make a mistake and keep Max behind him. And I mean, yes, huge not Alonzo fans, but I can't, I am really confused about, we've collectively as an F1 community, heaped praise down on Aston Martin this season, but they really messed that up. Like they, I don't understand how you bring him in for a pit stop that he didn't need to take because he had already pitted that race and put him on slicks. Just don't bring him in for the pit stop if you're not ready to put him on inters. I don't. It was so baffling.
1: It literally sounds like we're talking about a Ferrari strategy conversation. Like, if you literally flipped out Aston Martin and put Ferrari in this, I would feel like that's the actual conversation that we're having. But that is crazy. Like, down to the seconds. Like, how could you have not
0: done that math? I could have done that math. Like, I just, ugh. And after they were very much like, oh, yeah, there was no chance, like they were immediately into PR spin. There was no chance we could have won. No, no, no. And I'm like, this is this needs to be talked about more, because if Aston Martin is our best chance for someone not in a Red Bull to win this season. And let me be very clear, I will never root for that unless his name is Lance Stroll. <laughs> but like, this is this is a, they Ferrari did it. Yeah, they
1: ferrari did even to a place where they had one driver DNF and one driver
0: screw up a pit stop strategy.
1: strategy. (laughs) Who are they trying to become now?
0: Speaking of, we really do need to talk about Ferraris because I think Ferrari did the best they could in the race. Like, I actually don't think they did as bad as I think. We are all so predisposed to talk bad about Ferrari's in-race strategy. I don't think they did that bad. Where they messed up is why didn't they split the strategies with their drivers? Both of their drivers started on mediums. Like if you split it, then you're giving yourself the chance of no matter when the safety car or the rain comes, maybe one could have taken advantage of it. Like George Russell, because he started on hards, was able to take advantage of when the rain came. Well, then he messed it up for himself. But before then, I just, Ferrari, Split the strategies. Nope. Right. Because
1: if that would have made too much sense for them to do that. So.
0: Yeah. Well, I do have a podium, though, that I know if you just look at the results of this race, it might just seem like a processional because the top three started as the top three and ended as the top three. But I have the podium of the moments during the race that could have dramatically changed the outcome, but someone did something great. So instead of just, <laughs> so, you know, Aston and Ferrari Ferrari did it, but there were moments where people did great things that kept it the way it was. <laughs> you want to hear?
1: Yes, please. Please share. All
0: right. I do have an honorable mention. Okay. When Russell missed his turn, and both Esteban and Lewis just went right through. So Come I on, just,
1: man. There were so many moments where I was watching George that I was just like...
0: He had such what, a bad what,
1: weekend. What are you doing? Yeah, horrible weekend for George. Right.
0: <laughs> yeah, I won't. I'm not going to touch that more. I know, that's it. We'll move on to P3. Yeah, yeah. There's things I could say, but I won't say them. Um, uh, P3, uh, Ferrari not splitting their strategies. Imagine if Charles started on hearts. That's all I'll say. i can't,
1: I just can't hope for anything for Charles anymore. I think I just have to just give up there. I don't know. It, there was just enough. <laughs> it's season. It's
0: so sad. It's so sad. alright P2. P2. The aforementioned, why did they put Alonzo on slicks again? We've said it already. Could have changed the outcome, though. Could have won the race. Clearly could have. And P1, I have to give this to Max. Because watching him skate the car back to the pits to put on intermediate tires was really impressive. Because he could have crashed out of the race right then and there. And that would have changed the outcome. Yeah.
1: Yeah. He There's numerous times where still I'm just like, how do you make the car do things like that that other people just like can't do? And I wish it was like any other driver besides Max, but it's Max. But yeah. He's I have pretty to agree good at that
0: there. driving thing.
1: Yeah. He's, he's kind of fine at it, I guess. Yeah. And that's as nice as we will be to Max. So this race gave us many very interesting radio moments. I do have a short list of radios that did not age well. 4P3, and it's very fitting. I have Checo, and I'll censor this for the pod. Uh, Checo during FP2, just, you know, hitting a little bit of traffic and just... Oh, for fork's sake! And there were numerous exclamation exclamations of frustration from Checo. And as we saw at the end of qualifying, basically it became a Red Bull sandwich of having him all the way at the back, and he had to kind of fight his way. It was a, it was a rough weekend for Checo, so it just did and not age well. Time. Of him, the yeah, way. at going. the same
0: that same time, it did age well. He knew he knew it wasn't going well,
1: but yeah, You're right. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe he should be taking off the podium, but you know what? We'll put, at least yeah. he's on this podium this week for I think him. It's we'll great. keep him there. <laughs> then P2 could not get over this. It's lap one. Nico is fighting through all that little bit of traffic right at the start of the race. And he says clear to Haas, let's go, baby. And they say right back to him, Nico, we have a puncture. You must pit. It's just so Haas was just so unbelievable. Like, it sounded like you had two different races going on. He's like, let's go, baby. And they're like, we have a puncture. We we must pit. We must pit now. (laughs) Immediate did not age well. (laughs) Then we have my final radio that did not age well. And also basically immediately didn't age well. Carlos telling Ferrari, talking about Esti Besti, let's push him to use his tires. Immediately crashes into him. We, you know, you didn't need to really, literally push him.
0: Oh, wow,
1: did that not age well? <laughs> so very fast. <laughs> Front wing damage immediately.
0: <laughs> Hey podcast listeners, Gossip Grid here, your guide to F1's paddock Elites. I would like it to be known to the podcast audience that when Nicole told me she was really sick, I said, do you want to do a Gossip Grid this week or do you want to push it to next week? Because I completely understand if she was like, nope, can't do it. She was like, no, this is the one thing I'm determined to do this week. Because it, yeah, it's Monica, you have to do Gossip Grid. Mm -hmm. So I just, I want it to be known that I gave Nicole the out. But she is here delivering on a Gossip Grid for you all.
1: Thank you, thank you. I'm dying slowly inside, but pop culture keeps me going. <laughs> so, welcome to Gossip Grid, a very special voiced version of Gossip Grid from myself. Uh, but it is the Monaco GP and the pop culture at Monaco Waits for absolutely no one, waits for absolutely no sickness to go away, and we have to talk it about this week because it is keeping me going entirely. So, Monaco. Monaco is all about the glitz and glam and everything, so I'm here to give you everything you need to know about F1 and pop culture that's happened in the last week and basically everything that went down at Monaco. First, I have to start off, and I might be part of this tiny population that did not know exactly where this is from. So, all over the internet, and we'll see it constantly all over... During the F1 season, but particularly during the Monaco Grand Prix, is this voice clip used a thousand times of, it's the Monaco Grand Prix. I never missed the Grand Prix. And I realized I never knew at all what that was. So just to share a bit of knowledge, in case there's anybody else that's out there that have absolutely no idea what it was from, it's from a British comedy series called Friday Night Dinners that follows a British Jewish family and their weekly Friday Night Dinners. And this particular clip is from season four, episode five, called The Funeral. So if you need to go look into that a little bit more, I actually watched a lot of the episode and it is really, really funny and feels very relatable. Anytime a family member tells me I need to do something on a Sunday when there's a Grand Prix, I'm like, well, I can't, it's the Grand Prix, I never, I never miss it. So now, if you know, there's your context. So, Monaco GP, we know tons of celebrities. They always go to show up. So I'm gonna try to give you as many celebrities that were present. I'm definitely gonna miss some because as soon as I kept trying to like compile my list, there was already more. So I tried to give as much concise, but also show how many people were there. So here we go. Celebrities at the Monaco Grand Prix. Gotta start off with my personal favorite, and we've already talked about him, Tom Holland. Tom Holland was there waving the checkered red flag. He was actually there as a guest of Red Bull, but made it very, very clear that he was a longtime Lewis Hamilton fan and was rooting for Lewis to be successful in that race. So thank God Tom Holland can stay in the front runnings of great spider man of all time. Even if he was there as a guest of Red Bull, he knows where his allegiances lie and that he needed to share that. Bad Bunny was there all weekend. He wore an incredibly really wild outfit of a vintage bikini print from Jean-Paul Gaultier that was from 1995. It also, I can't figure out if his arm was photoshopped in that photo. Someone please confirm and or deny. But the funnest thing was he did a great bit with Checo where Bad Bunny put on Checo's entire race suit and his helmet, got in the car, and then Checo comes running out saying, hey, get out, that's my car. So really fun bits. I actually really enjoyed watching Checo and Bad Bunny, like... Answer together. Perfect pairing. Fantastic. I absolutely love that. The entire cast of the upcoming movie for Gran Turismo is coming out. Archie Medecue, Orlando Bloom, David Harbour, who I absolutely love from Stranger Things. It was his first F1 race. We're all there. Connor McGregor was on his own yacht, rented yacht, having the time of his life and making sure everyone really knew that he was there having the time of his life on his yacht. Maria Sharapova was there giving out the Pearly Pole Award. Is also a longtime friend and fan of Lewis
0: Hamilton. That was my favorite interview of the weekend when, uh, Laura Winter, I believe, went up to her and was like, oh, you're here with Red Bull. Are you rooting for Red Bull? And she goes, nah, I'm I'm rooting for Lewis. (laughs) Conversation summarized.
1: (laughs) Yeah, there's, there's, there's a little bit of a trend this weekend of, uh, Uh guests of Red Bull having an allegiance to Lewis, which leads also perfectly into the next celebrity that was there. Neymar was there. Longtime friend, longtime friend of Lewis Hamilton was also a guest of Red Bull this weekend, took numerous photos with Tom Holland, and tried to give uh, Lewis a high five and wave him down as Lewis sped past on a scooter. Lewis did not see him. And as an apology, or later on, I think it was yesterday, Lewis reposted a clip of this happening on his Instagram story. was like, sorry, Neymar, totally not on purpose. But it's a really hysterical clip if you go watch Lewis leaving Neymar hanging Then we saw Chris Rock supporting Mercedes, chit-chatting with Toto, fully covered in Mercedes gear. James Marsden was there. Catherine Zeta-Jones and her husband Michael Douglas, who were longtime friends of the Stroll family, were most recently at Chloe Stroll's wedding, were also spotted there. Kylie Minogue was there and traded sneakers with an RB with a Red Bull team member because her heels, of course, were killing her feet. So she traded shoes and then was walking around with some Red Bull sneakers for the rest of the day. Liam Cunningham was there, Odo Buckham Jr., celebrity chef Tom Carriage was there, Noah Schnapps, also of Stranger Things, was there, so wondering if he hung out with David Harbour. He's a longtime Charles Leclerc fan, had a Charles flag on his yacht. They were actually spotted together at the 8 p.m. Monaco after party. It's the brand that is promoted, the jewelry brand that's promoted by Charles, and a lot of people are now saying that he's it's like... The bears. It's the Bears.
0: Yeah, it's the jewelry brand promoted by Charles, but it's the Bears. It's It's the Bears. It's
1: the Gummy Bears. It's the Gummy Bear jewelry. Um, But everyone is saying that Noah Schnapps might be like the long-lost Leclerc brother because he literally looks exactly like them. And I'm all for it. If you look at the photos, you could tell me that they're all related, and I would not deny it. Joe traded jerseys with Real Madrid, Thibaut Courtois, so, we saw some exciting things outside of Monaco as well that I just need to touch upon and let you know happened. Toto Wolf, of oh my fave, sat down with Forbes and did this really unbelievable interview about his entire journey and his career. And Toto gives some really great individual snippets of his. Views on his own success and how he values determination, ambition, and obsession over ability and talent, which is like the most total thing I've ever heard in my entire life.
0: It's just such a total way to phrase that. He could just say, like, that's like, you could just say, like, I value hard work more than natural born talent, which is like a normal way to phrase exactly what you just quoted him saying. But, like, of course, he was like,
1: Determination, ambition, and obsession are what exactly he also says that his comfort place is in places of intensity and pressure aka a race weekend and the way that he's able to maintain and kind of keep on is he lives by a schedule and how does he live by a schedule well his exact example is every single day he has the exact same thing for breakfast extra toasty pumpernickel bread, butter, tomatoes, and a cappuccino and sparkling water. So there you go. If you want to eat like Toto for breakfast, get yourself some pumpernickel bread and extra toast
0: I think one day we need to try that. Like we <laughs> need to I both eat you. Toto's breakfast and see if we like it. I also just, if his comfort place is places of intensity, I would just love to see Toto play on Crossing
1: hate it he would hate too it. too settled yeah. no he'd <laughs> hate calming. it I watch beat. that music would literally drive him crazy but check out the interview with Forbes. really interesting and it was like a perfect sit down with them Um, SD Bestie last weekend went to the Cannes Film Festival and did a whole Get Ready video with GQ France I have to continue to give props to GQ for how involved they get with F1 drivers whether it's on their individual accounts their national accounts their sports accounts all over they're finding really great ways to fit them in at Cannes he wore a custom Berluti Berluti suit, which is a partner of this season with Alpine, and really cool little touch that he had customized his initials on one cuff and 31 on the other cuff. Alex Albon also did another video with GQ Sports where they gave him an opportunity to go anonymously onto different social media websites and respond to actual questions for fans. Things that I learned in this. He's actually the second tallest F1 driver in F1 history. Him and ST Bestie are tied for second since they are both 6'2". And Justin Wilson, who raced back in 2003, beat them literally by one inch at being 6'3". So there was a whole jam-packed bit from Monaco and a little bit outside of Monaco as well. And that's all I got for you on this week's Gossip Grid. And we'll catch you next time.
0: Speaking of exciting races another unpopular opinion that we tend to have is that overtakes don't necessarily make for an exciting race great stories do like as long as you're telling a good story whether or not the overtake happens it doesn't matter and i actually think this leads into like this overall desire in f1 for like constant parity and like oh all the teams need to be fighting all the time and the reality is that's just not what f1 is And I thought we got interesting quotes from ESPN's director of programming last week, right before the Monaco GP. uh, He was asked about whether or not ESPN would want to see more parity and competitiveness in F1 races. I thought his quote was really interesting and worth discussing. So he said, the best laid plans are best laid plans, but at the end of the day, we can't control the competition. That goes for all sports. Look at the NBA finals and the Lakers not getting through there. Boo. We can't control that. So we just have to take the results and try to tell the stories that do exist. Would we want this year to be more competitive? Absolutely. We would say that parody is typically good because it creates drama. But again, I'd be lying if I didn't say we would want to see drama play out over the next couple of weeks as the season continues to progress. So I thought this was a great quote because it seems to be acknowledging that ESPN understands the nature of all sports, and I would hope so because they're a sports network. This is their thing. Uh, But I think sometimes living and breathing in the F1 world, we tend, and people get really caught up in it being this weird F1 anomaly to have eras of dominance. But what makes great sports are stories, and dominance actually creates good stories. And we don't want to see that thrown away just for a show. I actually think this is what I'll throw to your, I'm going to give a hot take here to and I'll throw it over to you. I think the reliance on F1, like F1's reliance on needing parody at the front to make F1 exciting is just lazy. It just means they don't want to do the work to talk about or create other storylines other than who's going to win the championship. And that's why we do the yellow sector notes at the end of every show because there's interesting stories going on up and down the grid. They like, need to learn how to talk and create storylines about things other than the championship. Yeah,
1: I. It feels like a really silly question, but I guess like you depend. You know, to ask the ESPN director of programming of like, hey, do you wish insert any athletic event here was more competitive? Well, yeah. That of would course. have need more views and things, but I so 1000% agree on like this pointing at F1 and like the, oh my God, we need to have so much more of a fight, you know, at the front. I'm like, there is so many other things happening in the grid, whether it comes to drivers, individual stories or teams and their upgrades and just like all of the other things. Like it's not all about like Red Bull, like running away in the front right now. And that goes across all sports. I root for teams that don't do well. And there's a (laughs) lot of commentary on those teams not doing well. Therefore, you can't tell me that you can't be talking about other teams along the grid in F1 or that F1 is this like magical exception to this rule that it just needs to only be about the fight for who's ever winning in the front. It is so lazy. I think it, it, it's like a fear of maybe people won't like, well, why are they talking about Haas or why are they talking about Williams? And I think that's dumb and silly because you have fans for all of these teams all around the globe. And if you want fans to be involved and enjoy races more, talk about more teams on the grid about what's happening. And then also maybe your viewership on races will be higher because it's more interesting. But
0: well. yeah, it. <laughs> I find it fascinating because F1 is the only sport I've ever followed that talks about this and thinks about this at such a global scale. Uh for so I'm gonna use the NFL because it's I think this other sport that we follow the most. And like I will talk about how I want the Eagles to be more competitive all the time. Like that is a frequent topic of conversation. Why if the Eagles aren't good, I'm asking why are they not good? But if or if when the Patriots had their run of winning, I would talk a lot about how I, as an Eagles fan, was not a fan of that era, but I didn't do a lot of like, there's something wrong with the NFL. Because to me, the beauty of sports is that if someone gets it right, they get it right. Like That feels really good when your team gets it right and is really good. And it also, some of the beauty of sports is when your team is not good and they get it wrong and you're frustrated. And something about F1, it, like, they're always talking about manufacturing in this parody that I've just yet to see a single league actually figure out. Like, is there a sport in the world that has true parody? And would we actually even want that?
1: No, I, I, I don't think there is. And yeah, to your point, like, this isn't the first time in sports that we've seen some kind of, like, Dynasty of things. And people love those stories. I mean, like, gosh, how many people absorbed The Last Dance during like quarantine because it's like that Michael Jordan story. And it's like the, you know, we love teams that can be so unbeatable. And one day I'm sure there'll be like a really wonderful documentary about Red Bull's dominance that probably doesn't talk too much about the like the cost cap. Like it's, you know, like.
0: <laughs> or if they wanted to make it interesting, do talk about the cost cap. Yeah. We love a David and Goliath story, and there needs to be a Goliath for David to take down. Like, for example, I talked about the Patriots winning in the NFL. It was the Patriots and it was Tom Brady. And didn't it feel great when the Eagles beat them? Universally, everyone rejoiced because the Eagles beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl. But it, it would have felt great for Philly to win that. But why it felt great to all NFL fans who weren't Patriots fans is because it was the David taking down Goliath story. Like, I don't know. I just <laughs> words, words, words. Yeah, words, words, words. <laughs> I couldn't come up with a good conclusion, but
1: <laughs> no, just F one's just no exception to this rule, right? Uh, and everyone will continue to say it. And I doubt we are the first two, but no. F one is no exception to every other sport, and every other sport goes through its periods where there is some kind of like dynasty or there's some kind of like goliath of a winner and then like when eventually that goliath falls because it's just like the cycle of sports whether an athlete leaves or staff changes or something like something always happens because that's just how sports work and it'll eventually happen and will i enjoy to watch that goliath fall you best believe it but it's not going to make me stop watching f1 until it happens
0: no the funny thing i'm realizing in looking at our show outline right now was that we brought up this quote from ESPN to talk about briefly and transition to something more Monaco GP related, but I just always forget how passionate we both are about this subject and we can't bring it up without like giving an entire dissertation about. (laughs) To all those of you who are not watching this on YouTube right now, uh, Nicole is not gonna be here for this segment. She started to feel a lot worse. So she's gone to go be sick and eat some matzo ball soup. But I didn't want to leave you without a Spain preview this week. So here are three things that we were going to talk about that are going to be interesting for the Spanish Grand Prix this weekend. First one, tires. Pirelli still plans to bring completely new tires to the British Grand Prix, which means they're still testing new tires this week in the free practices. Both teams are gonna get a hard and a medium to run at some point during the practice session to start to learn what these new tires are. Because even though Pirelli is saying they shouldn't change any performance, like they're changing the tires, so inherently they're going to be different. So they're giving the teams the opportunity to learn a little bit about the tires before Silverstone. Second thing, lap times. Spain is going chicane free in 2023. Yes, I've been waiting to say that all season. Chicane-free in 2023. It's a fun rhyme. I miss Nicole being here to laugh at my jokes, but I know she's laughing while she's listening to this (laughs) in post. Uh, But the track layout is different, and they got rid of the really fiddly chicane in Sector 3. And that means lap times are going to be significantly faster this year compared to last year. So don't be surprised if six, seven seconds faster... And then we'll have to figure out how much of that is due to just the car's improved performance versus just the fact that there is no chicane. Lastly, it seems that almost every team is bringing an upgrade or finally testing the upgrade that they brought to Monaco last week. But all four of the front-running teams are bringing something big. Right now, I'm recording this Tuesday evening. Red Bull's rumored to be bringing an upgrade that's going to take a complete different direction, change things up. I don't really know what that means or why they would do anything that shakes things up too much because of how far ahead they are. Uh, But look out for some kind of upgrade coming to the Red Bull this week. Mercedes, we know will be getting actual data and testing their car, but they also might have a few new pieces on the car that they didn't bolt on for Monaco. Because remember, Monaco is a very specific track, And people will even bring Monaco-specific wings. We're not going to see that this week. So there might be some additional pieces on the Mercedes and fully testing their upgrades. Ferrari is bringing new side pods, a new floor, and new suspension. And it's said that Ferrari's upgrades are going to be visibly noticeable, which means I wonder what kind of upgrades to their sidepots they're doing. Are we going to see more Aston Martin alpine, like deep gullies? Like, are they going to make their bathtubs deeper? Or are they going to go more to a Red Bull route? It'll be interesting to see what we visually can see. Lastly, Aston Martin is rumored to be bringing something this week, but at this point, I don't know what they're bringing. What this means for watching the Spanish GP is that. There's a lot of unknowns this week. There's a new track layout that teams don't have years and years of data on. And a lot of the cars are going to be different. So while I'm not predicting that there's going to be any shakeup in Red Bull's position at the top, but there might be a shakeup among the nine other teams, as they all do their first big European upgrade of the season. So those are three things you should know going to the Spanish GP. Tires being tested, lots of upgrades, and chicane free in 2023. Now you're going to hear all the predictions that Nicole and I made for this weekend. All right, Spanish GP predictions. Last week Monaco GP, we both were correct. The Max Verstappen won. We were both correct that Alpine was the best of the bottom 5 in the constructor standing and I got my hopium resulted in being correct that Lewis was P4. Uh, So I'll take it.
1: You need to start using hopium in like common vernacular. That was, that's a great phrase.
0: (laughs) Uh, It's a, like a gaming thing. So it's like copium for when you're coping and hopium. And I I normally don't say it out loud. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, But it came out of my mouth and I do like it. So I'm glad you, you do too. Um, That puts us in our predictions so far this season as 38 to 17. <laughs> <laughs> and Nicole, uh, normally, like when, like, so I did win this week. So Nicole technically should be doing like a, a visual funny bit for you. Her visual funny bit this week is that she is incredibly sick and still here and trying to. Dying dreadful. inside. <laughs> right. So there was, there's nothing that has happened. Um, but a reminder is we do reset our predictions. At summer break, so there's six more races, and then we start out on a clean slate. But I was shocked that it was six more races because, wow, this season is long.
1: It seems um. like so many and so little. Like, it seems like it's too close, but very far. Six races is so many races, though. That's that's a lot of emotion.
0: Um, all right, but uh, let's run through this. Nicole, did you change your P1 this week?
1: Nope. I still have Max, and I'm assuming you also have Max.
0: Yep, yep, yep. So let's get to the more interesting ones. Who do you have as P4 this week?
1: I have Lewis as my P4. Oh,
0: okay, okay. Uh, I'd be very happy with another Lewis P4, but I kind of leaned into the hope this week. And I have Lewis in my P3 and Alonzo in P4. And yes, hold on, where is it?
1: This is so interesting because I, in my thought process, I have Alonzo as P3. So that's why I have Lewis as P4. So. Lewis
0: podium. Going all in. We're putting it out in the universe. I want a Lewis podium this week.
1: I would love it. I would love it.
0: So. But I'll do this again. (laughs) 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 Who's your P7? My
1: P7 is Lance. Okay.
0: Um, I think it's a good week,
1: which think, would not I be know, P7.
0: Right. But it's better than
1: not finishing. And, um, yeah. so I just, you know, I, P7 could just be an improvement. And, uh, honestly, I was going with a lot of, uh, vibes and cold medicine is what caused me to make a lot of these decisions. <laughs> so, uh, that's what we got. So who do you So basically,
0: don't hold N- Nicole to, Nicole's feet to the fire on any of these. Um, I have Carlos. Carlos Sainz. Um, Ferrari, Aston, Red Bull, and I guess technically Mercedes are all bringing upgrades this week. Like, I mean, because Mercedes is testing their upgrades. I just don't think Ferrari's first week with upgrades sounds like something they're going to be able to capitalize on so well. And Carlos had a rough Spanish GP. Lap. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I I want I want to root for positivity because home races don't usually go the greatest
1: for Ferrari drivers, right?
0: And P7, P7. Yeah. P7, yeah. All right, who's your P10? Last in the points this week, Nicole. And I hope he's higher,
1: but I just want to have him at least in the points. I have SD Besti as my P10.
0: Interesting. Okay, I did go back and forth, but I, I also, I actually think he will be higher than that. Um, so I put Alex Albon P10.
1: I had to give up. I've been having Alex as my P10 for like a little bit, and I was like, "Sorry, Alex, I think I need to adjust a little, change some things around." But again, I'd be happy with either of those in points. And yeah, last week I had Estebes as my P7, and it manifested a lot higher. So maybe that'll happen with this P10, and I'll just. Sure. Lose in the prediction picks, but win in my heart for the drivers. Enjoy,
0: yeah. So. I think the Williams will be much better this week. The new layout of the Spanish GP is lots of sweeping corners and fast speeds. Like you don't need extreme levels of high downforce that Williams can't create here. So I think I think points this week. Be good. Fingers crossed. Again, putting putting positive vibes out in the world. That's how I'm using my predictions now. I just want like good things to happen. Except I guess I didn't do that with Carlos, so I'm sorry. <laughs> and then who
1: do you have for your uh, team scoring the highest points in but in the constructors' place six to ten, so back of the pack. And we yep. do have a switch up this week, and it's uh, McLaren, Haas, Alpha Romeo, AlfaTari, and Williams.
0: Yes. So I wanted to pick something more fun here. But the reality is I think it's going to be McLaren. Yeah, I that's what I did too. <laughs> yeah. I think Lando will be in the points and if I think Alex Albon will be P10, that means I think Lando will be 8 or 9 when I was roughing this out and so yeah, McLaren.
1: Yeah, I wanted to really pick Williams, but you know, I don't necessarily think the Alex Logan combo will be As successful in the joint points there, so I did potential go with the easy Mm -hmm. out, and I, I think, and picked McLaren too. Right,
0: yeah, I, I really don't understand what's going on with McLaren. I've yet to watch a Grand Prix weekend where I really feel like I understand their car or what's going on. Like I don't, I understand that there's six in the constructors right now, but that doesn't really tell me anything. (laughs) Like, if you asked me the characteristics of every car in the field, like, I'd probably be able to tell you something interesting about how a car behaves for all other nine cars, but not for McLaren. So, it's a not very confident, but yet still boring choice from the the group. So. All right. Well, we'll see how we do.
1: Hopefully, I get some points. You did last week. I know, but so did you. I need points where yeah. you don't get points. I get points. Yes wherever you get points.
0: And that doesn't help me win. Welcome back to Yellow Sector Nuts. Not the fastest walk around F1, but we will do a full lap around the F1 garage. We will do a full lap around the F1 paddock hitting every F1 garage. You would think after saying that 19 plus times, I would get it right every time, but nope. So today we're gonna start at the F1 garage with an important note that EA is bringing back their Breaking point story mode in this year's upcoming F1 game. Players get to live out a career mode with Drive to Survive-like interactions, which I think is fascinating. Red Bull this week uh, was surprisingly quiet. So, but Nicole found a fan online doing research and theorized that Max Verstappen only owns one suit, and I am now convinced at least it's a nice suit, Uh, but I think it's entertaining. Carlos and Puma announced his special race suit and merch line similar to what they did with Charles last week.
1: And it's better than Charles, I think. My opinion, I think it's better than Charles's. It's black.
0: It mm-hmm. will always be better than a white race suit. Always. <laughs> always. <laughs> Lewis Hamilton's burger chain, Neat Burger, secured additional investment as the chain looks to grow and open up many new locations. They currently have locations in Abu Dhabi, London, and New York City. Alpine teased the reveal of their 2024 Hypercar Challenger that will be fully unveiled at the 2023 Le Mans. Aston Martin moved the first members of their team into their brand new factory this week. All right, this next one is just rumors. Just rumors. Just rumors. I could not find multiple sources talking about this. Rumors, but admittedly, like Haas really didn't have a lot going on this week. So Haas might be discussing a new title sponsorship for next year with Alfa Romeo, whose current deal with Sauber is up at the end of the season. And because Alfa Romeo is uh, associated with the Ferrari brand, their options are relatively limited to Haas. They allegedly had a meeting in Monaco this week. Rumors. Just rumors. Don't take any of that as fact. <laughs> McLaren announced that they poached a key Red Bull engineer, Rob Marshall. He will join McLaren on January 1st, 2024, as their technical director of engineering and design. He was formerly Red Bull's chief engineering officer. And lastly, Williams announced on Friday that they are going to have a special Gulf livery this year. It just is not going to be at Monaco. It's going to be at Singapore. And us fans can actually vote on four different liveries and the winner of their voting bracket will be the livery at the Singapore GP. And I say we should all vote for Heritage.
1: Vote for Visionary.
0: She's wrong, vote for Heritage. Vote
1: for Visionary. <laughs> Heritage. Visionary.
0: <laughs> that is the gridwalk for June 1st, 2023 completed. I can't believe we're in June. How was my sector time today, Nicole?
1: Oh, let me process June 1st, oh my goodness. Uh, your second time was faster than I bought my ticket for the new Barbie movie. Same. <laughs> so as always, big, 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 thank you. Oh, thank Oh, the, the big, thank you to voiceover, man. Thank you to matzo ball soup, which I will be downing literally right after we hop off this call and our four legged executive producers, make sure you have auto downloads turned on. You have absolutely no idea how much that helps us. Please rate and review the pod. Also really helps us out. Give us three emotions, three emojis of how you felt watching the Monaco GP this year. Drop that in the review. Drop it in the comments. Let us know your thoughts. But really, leave us a review. What you love about the show really helps us out. And we absolutely love hearing from you and getting to know you. And especially if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, pretty, pretty, please take two seconds to make our entire day. And as always, follow us on every single social media platform or whatever social media platforms that you do use at Gridwalk Show for daily walks. Daily Gridwalks, oh my goodness. We will be back every Thursday and we hope you join us. But boy, oh boy, today felt like a grid scooter ride instead of a grid walk.